if you're a captain, I don't care how busy your truck is. We're on the high rise and my crew can vouch for this. The first alarm call of the day, make it law. We're going to stretch a dry stretch. We're going to dry stretch all day long. So that is my expectation as a captain. First alarm call of the day, we've dry stretched. You give that expectation to your crew and they're going to pull it off on game day. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, it is Weekly Scrap number 2-2-0. Brent Brooks has served 31 years in the fire service, currently the acting district chief for the Toronto Fire Service. He is a proud retired member of the Canadian Armed Forces, He has served on various committees, has been a speaker at national and international engagements in like all across the the globe, Great Britain, Dubai, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, the USA. He is a subject matter expert when it comes to high-rise firefighting. He founded the High-Rise Roundtable in Toronto, hosted the Toronto-Montreal High-Rise Summit. He is a uh, member of the Chicago-based Council of Tall Buildings. He is a I mean, let's just say it, Mr. High-Rise Firefighting, and that is going to be a lot of what we are talking about today. My brother, Brent Brooks, welcome to Scrap Episode number 220. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I am very excited about the conversation. We have people logging in and already like so much hype going on about high-rise. We are in the house and ready for high-rise, ready to talk high-rise from the mile high. That comes from Preston. Got it. Preach. Let's go. Brooksy. A, there's a lot of A's. I don't know why there's so many A's, but they're coming. Hi, Rise, let's go. Uh, Kyle Romick said, coming to you live from the great north where it's minus 40 degrees Celsius. It's something like that. Right on, right on. So there's way a lot out of, of province, that. too. It's 10 o'clock at night where I'm at right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. ab- absolutely. I didn't realize I kept you up so late, but is there anything I missed in the intro? Anything you would like to add? I don't think so. It's just, you know, it being the uh, part of the member of Council Tall Buildings worldwide, believe it or not, I found out uh, just last month when I was in Singapore uh, with the council, I was speaking to them. I was the first firefighter boots on the ground that's ever spoke to the council. Um, and what I, why, the reason why I joined the Council of Tall Buildings is because I was reading everything there was for high-rise firefighting. I was reading, you know, you know, Dave McGrail and, and uh, you know, all those great people, Matt Stuckey, Paul Grimwood, Jerry Chase, you, you name it. If a firefighter put something out that was high-rise related, uh, I was reading it, but there's a big disconnect between the building architects, designers, and engineers and firefighters. So I joined the Council of Tall Buildings. I didn't tell them I was a firefighter. Uh, I've been a member now for over a decade. Started going to their meetings, hearing how they're designing the buildings, hearing how they're going built. And I'd ask those difficult questions. Hey, uh, you know, if you had a fire in your building, how would you go about extinguishing it? Like, oh, well, we don't get those questions very often. And they, and they give me the answer. And it's different than our perspective as firefighters. Sure. And I asked them, hey, if you had smoke in your building, how'd you go about clearing it? And there is a big disconnect between our firefighting operations and the way the designers and engineers are designing their smoke removal systems. Right on. So I'm just trying to connect the dots. I love it. I love it. I and mean, I can't wait to get into it, brother. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Kyle is here. Audience, Kyle is here. He is grabbing Smoothbore Cartel himself is here. He's ready to grab your questions. He's already grabbing questions. Clark Lamping's already thrown our first question, so it'll be coming. But Uh-oh. he's grabbing your questions, so please ask the questions. Kyle will grab them and throw them in the chat so we can find them. They will not be missed. Um, uh, vigilantes, we will be doing an after party. 
Uh, I will. It, it will be late for Brooks, but he's invited to the after party, and that's where we roast the guest after the fact. So just so you know, it lasts twenty minutes, and it's pretty awesome. They never you get said Clark Lamping. I'm scared now. I'm scared. <laughs> Now he knows me quite well. Right on. On to the sponsors. I'll do the sponsors and, and then the show will be off to the races. Keyhoes, the hose experts. Check them out online at keyhose.com. Follow them on Facebook. Affordable Drill Tower, firefighter owned and operated. The only thing you can't do on an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable Drill Tower. You can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor, do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies. Pump into the FDC or flow water from the sprinkler system. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Firestationfurniture.com provides a complete line of quality furniture for your firehouse. Firefighter owned and operated, they understand the strain firefighters put on furniture and offer furniture that's built to last. Visit www.firestationfurniture.com for more information. And then the final, the final sponsor, which is so apt because he was like, yeah, absolutely. Brooksy's going to be on. I want to have it. It's the Fast Wrench. It's the one and only standpipe operations multi-tool in the fire service. It combines 10 different, 10 different tools into one lightweight, easy-to-use hand tool. The Fast Wrench is quickly becoming the best practice tool for adjusting any make or model field-adjustable PRV, and it is an absolute must-have in your standpipe kit. Designed by a firefighter for doing the tough business of standpipe firefighting, lighten your kit and streamline your operations with the Fast Wrench. Check them out at fastwrench.net. So there we go. Sponsors are done. Intros are done. We're ready to talk high-rise firefighting. Yes. And the, que- the questions are already rolling in. So uh, I, don't, I wasn't quite sure where to start. I didn't know where to start. I got your notes and I was looking at it, but I really wanted to throw the broadest question I could find out of the PDF. And it might be putting the cart before the horse, but basically the secret to high rise firefighting. And then I said, well, I'm telling you. yeah, go. So, you know, it, it, it this is going to probably bore some, some of our guests, but you know, there's a lot of good books out there. And like I said, I was reading all the good books, you know, Matt Stuckey, Dave McGrail, anything Bill Gusson puts out. Uh, I read it. Paul Grimwood, who you're a firefighter one, you're a firefighter two, Jerry Tracy, Jack Murphy. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I had to get into reading papers. And no one likes reading papers. And, you know, I listen to your motivational stuff. I listen to other people's motivational stuff. And they say, basically, your success is doing the stuff that you've been avoiding. And everyone avoids reading papers because it's the science behind what we do. So uh, I've indulged into reading these papers. They're boring. I recommend you take my word for it. Um, And I've gotten into reading papers and the timing. And we go back to this fatal fire in in, in our city, Forest Laneway, where six occupants died. And I read those papers and I was getting frustrated because they're asking building occupants what happened to them during that fire. And we hear the fire department took two and a half hours to respond to our building. Well, you know that's not true. Right. You have to write it in that document because it's an investigation. And we hear 47 people went, through, went to the roof to be rescued by a firefighter helicopter. Well, we don't have a firefighter helicopter. Most firefighter fire, fire departments don't. So I'm reading these papers, and it got frustrating for me, and I put it down. Well, now this is decades later. I go back to that same fire. I had a bad experience with the high-rise fire. Uh, we look at what's happening worldwide. And it's the timing. It's the timing that we've been missing as firefighters. What is your vertical response time? 
Well, no one knows. I know how long it takes to get out of the station. I know how long it gets to the call. But after the parking brake is applied, how long does it take us to get to the alarm or fire location? Well, in our city, we've finally been tracking that. So we know after parking brake on, it's six minutes and 20 seconds. Our other benchmark is what is your water application time? It's another six minutes. On most cases, it takes fire departments 12 minutes to get water on the fire. Mm. That is important because if you look at uh, what happened in New York City, the 17 people that were quilted, uh, uh, a Twin Parks fire, 68 rescued, phenomenal job. And you look at that awesome um, uh, online information and you see what happens at 20 minutes. There was no way they would be successful at that fire at 10 minutes if you if you read that that document and at 20 minutes you're done. You look at the line of duty deaths, you look at what's what's happened in Chicago most recently, and at that 18 minute mark, things start to teeter off. Our Wellesley Street, 18 minutes, uh um uh Forest Laneway, 18 minutes, or Gerard Street, Parliament Street, Shooter Street. I mean, you start reading all this stuff. 18 minutes is that magic number. You better have that fire knocked down or actively be fighting because we're firefighters. But when it comes to high-rise firefighting, we're actually smoke fighters. you got to fight the smoke and the fire. And that's a difficult task to do when you're in a neighborhood, which is a high-rise building, and you're inviting all these people into your problems when the smoke starts spreading. So that's what your question was, what we're missing. It's the timing and how long it takes us to do a task. Because if you're waiting on the truck, we know now it's six minutes and 20 seconds. On average, your vertical response time, your backup is six minutes and 20 seconds to get to you. And now you have to truly start stretching lines. If you need to switch tactics, you need the floor below, the opposing tip, the resident distributor, the flanking nozzle, all this special equipment we have on our two dedicated high-rise units, it's six minutes and 20 seconds plus enough six minutes to deploy it. So if you're calling for that, you're already in the 12-minute firefight, they're coming up 12 minutes later to get it into place. Guess what? We're at 24 minutes. You're not going to be successful. So staging the equipment, getting it to where it needs to be, get it on deck, Take your 80-story high-rise building, your 10-story high-rise building, make it a three-story residential house Mm. where our response time's quicker. Because would you pull up your residential house fire and park a city block away? You know, what type of hose on are you going to be pulling if you wait 12 minutes? You're pulling big lines. And that's what we use for high-rise is the big lines. It's timing. How's that? <laughs> no, no, that's beautiful, man. And and, and you really you really put it in perspective when you say, would you pull up to a residential and park three blocks away and then figure out how to get stuff there over a 12-minute period? When you start yeah. looking at it in that framework, so it really is about being proactive. It is. And I'm an asking help from people outside the fire service. So if we look at our uh, um, you know, uh, hockey players, and hockey players, they go hard for two minutes, they come off the ice for two minutes, but their hockey gear – is 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 meant to vent heat our particulate bunker gear um you know with the, all the cancer uh, uh, stuff that's preventing us from causing cancer that keeping that is that's keeping that heat in yeah. i don't care if you're Sidney crosby or wayne gresky or you're 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 an olympic athlete if i give you exhaustion plus heat exhaustion there's no way you can recover from that and we took that into effect and i met a, a professional stair climber um, in Guadalajara, he's, he's actually American working in Saudi Arabia, part of the Council of Tall Buildings. And he gave me some great advice about if you're taking two steps to climb stairs, it's called sprinting. If you're taking a single step to uh, uh, climb stairs, that's a marathon. And he gave me so many good tips and tricks. 
that we've already been doing this in Toronto. We're actually disrobed. I'll explain that theory to you in a second, where okay. if we're going above 10 stories because we know this heat exhaustion thing and this exhaustion thing, they can't mix together. One, yes. The other one, no. So we'll actually take our bunker jackets off, our helmets, our flashlight, our gloves, put them in our gear. We're going to pull our bunker pants up so we have no friction on the legs, put our SCBA on properly, cinch it up as if we're wearing it. Then the bunker jacket goes on the bottle. The hose goes on the bottle. So when we get to climb those stairs, it's going to suck regardless. But when we get up to that fire floor and now we're going to recover from that heat exhaustion, we re-robe. And on average, it's taking us a minute and 20 seconds to actually put our gear back on. And that's the bunker, you know, the boots, the the, the, the whole nine yards. But now, during that one minute and 20 seconds, it could be two minutes. We've actually recovered from the heat exhaustion. And now we're going to go in and battle some fire. Dude, I love it, man. Just the just the just the the thought, the forethought to say, let's disrobe, let's climb, and then let's re-robe. You know, we'll we'll make it up on the back end, so to speak. Not to mention erase the exhaustion factor, exactly the thermal exhaustion. No, I love it, man. Absolutely. Take time to make time, right? Oh, dude. Uh, no, there's so much coming at you already. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, uh, audience questions just yet. I want to say how the Toronto High Rise Program evolved. Uh, and throw that at you and let you let you go any direction you want with it. Or you're going to be shocked, but we've had a dedicated high-rise unit since 1988, um, which is a long, long time. Yes. Um, I've been on the high-rise unit now for about 16 years, and we have two dedicated high-rise units. That's all we do. Um, I know, in you know, especially in the States, there's a big thing of the truck and the engine company, your truck, your engine company. There's a lot of that um, stuff going on. But in now in Toronto, are you a high-rise guy? Are you on the high-rise unit? And, uh, you know, we're kind of hated. We're not the most liked people on the job, just like your squads. And you know how that um, um, dynamics go. But we had to get more specific when it came to high-rise buildings because if you have a catastrophic failure at 80 stories, what are you doing? Right. And we know the floor below nozzle. We know the – you may not know this, but the horizontal void nozzle, uh, we've been using that for exterior cladding. Uh, we've been using that for flank attack. Okay. Uh, we've added mirrors. Uh, we've done a whole bunch of cool stuff for catastrophic failure, fire suppression tools. We have uh, uh, stair climbers that have a, a 600 U.S. gallon of foam in them. Um, we can take that two floors below. It'll climb the stairs because it weighs 300 pounds. We have a writ chair um, that can lift 500 pounds. So we have an underground parking that's six stories underground. That writ chair can uh, uh, self-climb a firefighter uh, that's gone below grade. We have to evolve as firefighters and look at these new equipment and how we can use them. And we got to do R and D. We got to keep troubleshooting that stuff. And, you know, from my travels all around the world, I'm just picking up these little tidbits and we're putting them together. And and, and I go to HROC, I go to all the conferences. I haven't missed one yet. All Kirk stuff, you know, I'm, I'm doing and I'm, I'm with Kyle, I'm with uh, Clark Lambing, Jimmy Davis, and I'm, we're bouncing this stuff off each other. And sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't agree, but that's what makes us good friends. I, and, and even you and I, when we, you know, we, we, we're, we're uh, uh, talking at that uh, Irish bar, like we, we have this common ground and we yes. can accept these changes. And it's so important. And it's just, it, we're getting so good. And it's coming faster with the stuff that you're doing, the social media. I mean, the list goes on and on. Where are we going to be in five years? I don't even know, but it's going to be a, it's going to be good. Really, no, good. it's going to be better. 
That's the that's the thing yeah. I do have faith in. It's going to be Scott. better because of these conversations like this, the Irish bars, the Clark Lampings, the H Rocks. And, and speaking of Clark Lamping, he said, uh, "Where I lost it." I, oh wanted to read, I wanted to read it to you though. He said, "Brooksy is always looking for an excuse to take his clothes off." So, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm up here now. It's minus something, rather. So I'm in Fredericton. Listen to this. I, I don't know. If I, were you allowed to talk? Are we allowed to just go off off script? Oh, absolutely. This is the scrap. You can do whatever you want. So I got I got Halifax Fire. They're hiding in the room right now. I got Moncton Fire hiding in the room. I got Mo, Maurice Doyle, one of my best friends, 41 years on Toronto Fire. I got Fredericton oh, wow. Firefighters here, uh, and they donated a high rise building to me. It's a student residence being demolished. It's got furniture. It's got curtains. It's got everything in it. I got a busy week. I flew on the plane. Mo, Maurice Doyle and I came down here. We're flowing water. We're taking windows. We're taking doors. Uh, we got the mailboxes. We're doing accountability. We're writing in the elevators, the staging, the fire floor. Uh, we're doing the floor below. We're doing all these tactics. But what is cool is, you know what? Let's fill the sixth floor with fire and let's take the elevator to the fire floor and let's oh, wow. videotape it and let's see what that looks like. Oh, wow. And we get to the fire floor. Obviously, the elevator fills with smoke. We open a door, we start playing, and we cleared that smoke as fast as you could run out of that elevator. Why is that? You know, we're researching stack effect. We're right. you know, researching the neutral plane. We're oh, doing can't wait, to see the footage. can't wait to see the footage. That's going to be oh, awesome. Yeah. It's like today was just, oh, it's so excited. Um, we were doing positive pressure isolation. And I know a lot of firefighters talk, we've got to be doing it for high rise. We've got to do it for high rise. Our fourth and fifth truck. That's what we're doing out here. Fredericton, New Brunswick, thank you for donating this high-rise building to us. And it's like-minded firefighters from all over making this happen. It's not just the Brooksy show. And you positive pressure isolation, positive pressure isolates the tax stairwell. You do the floor below stretch, very little to no smoke's getting in. Our fifth and truck is doing positive isolation on that next stairwell. Our attack stairwell is staring, uh, staying clear. Oh, wow. Okay. It's time to extinguish the fire. We can shut one fan down and vent out the fire unit. And this is going to look very unique. But in Toronto, um, since I kind of took over the high-rise program, we're using spiral ducting to clear smoke out of, out of a unit that's wind-impacted. And it's just, it's just pure science. So the duct goes out the fire unit. It breaks 90. It goes, the ductwork goes out in the hallway. That pressure coming in needs a place to go. It finds the end of the ductwork and goes right back out. Oh, okay. And another thing that's going to blow your mind, and we're doing it here. Again, Fregerton, you are changing the fire service because of your gracious donation. And we can study these buildings. But we're finding that regardless of the length of the hallway, short, 50 feet, 200 feet, on average, is taking us two minutes to systematically clear the smoke. Okay. When we want to get, uh, and we have caution tape everywhere, it takes two minutes. We're, you know, the lower floor, we're remote. In two minutes, here it comes. Here comes that wave of smoke that's being pushed through the building. And I talked about us in, in high-rise. We're smoke fighters when it comes to high-rise buildings. If we can get this dialed in, man, we're going to change the fire service. We can build our buildings bigger, right? We can play with that type of stuff. But we're getting better at understanding the science. And because I donate my time, have you ever heard that rule of 100? You have to go ahead. I've heard a rule of 100. If, 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 if you do something for 100 hours and you'll become an okay. expert at it. Okay, yeah, I've heard many different. Day, 10, 000, right? I've heard everything from 10,000 down to, yeah, but yes. There you go. It, it, 10, it's technically 10,000, but people say 100. Right. So because it's technically 10,000, uh, I want to do 100 fire departments at donated time. 
to try and become an expert at something. So okay. I'm at 84 now. As of, as of today, I'm at 84. So I got a couple more to do 100. And if I add those hours up, man, imagine if I came close to 10,000. Right on. Right but on. It's no, a team I effort. Hey, I want to say two, a couple things. First of all, is A, uh, being as busy as you are where you're at, thank you for taking the time to do the scrap today because it could have been easy for you to say, man, I'm busy with this stuff, and you're still doing it. So thank you for that. And B, 84, dude, that's impressive. We're getting there. That's Yeah, that's impressive. All I'm right. It's around 20 short now. Are you ready for your first question from the audience? Let's do it. We'll see where it goes. This is the curveball that always comes. So this is where the scrap takes off. It is from Clark Lampley. Oh, boy. Your friend and mine. Brooks, do you have any strategies for extinguishing fires extending up the exterior of a high-rise? Absolutely. And I'll show you a video today. Uh, we actually added a convex mirror to the opposing tip nozzle. Um, I like this question, Clark. Thanks for asking it because I know the manufacturer calls it a horizontal void nozzle. If you pigeonhole a nozzle, horizontal void nozzle, us as firefighters think I can't use it vertically. I can't use it in a wall for bloom frame construction. Why does it have half-inch tips on it? Those half-inch tips are laser beams. It has a 160-foot reach of stream, 80 feet off each side. I put that not just horizontal. I put that vertically in balloon frame construction. you got a 10-foot wall or a two-story building that's 20 feet. Guess what? I got 160 feet of coverage, a laser pressure washer coming out of that thing. I'm cutting through cellulose. I'm cutting through pink foam insulation. Now, if you look at the Granville fire and the way that building was standoff, you can't get that from exterior. That fire is in a chase way, and it's rapidly spreading. Now, that was a flaw with the building. Even if that spread from fourth floor to the top floor in 17 minutes, I told you it takes us 12 minutes to get water on the fire. So even if we knew in Granville where that was going to end up, that fire department couldn't have done it. Right. It's, it's mathematically impossible because right. the heat release rate, and they're no at way. that 18-minute mark. No way to get ahead of it impossible right but now that we have the opposing tip nozzle it works with our two and a half inch hose line if the 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 line's already laid all we're doing and we don't have to shut the standpipe valve to do it we can add to the front of our nozzle by spinning the tip on without bringing up a whole bunch of equipment bring me the nozzle i'm adding the opposing tip nozzle with a half inch tips and i can flow 160 foot reach a stream 80 feet off each side and we're getting that half inch tip between that void and we're, we're, we're sending it. And we're gradually going to turn that horizontal void nozzle, which we like to call the opposing tip nozzle in our world. And because it's opposing tip, has no nozzle reaction. And in our world, they're one and one eighth tips when I take off the half tips. The one I'm using here in Fredericton are 15 sixteenths. Uh, the one I used in the a prairie was seven eighths. So find out what tip size you want to use, end with half inch, but be able to take those half inch tips off for bigger water, for doing your flank attack. When we do the flank attack with the opposing tip nozzle, 50% of that water is wasted. But it's taking the nozzle reaction away to allow you to get the other 50% into that fire unit. You need a spotter just like the floor below nozzle. The floor below nozzle, the floor below nozzle I hate the name of it because we're pigeonholing it to all you can use it for is floor below nozzle. We use it for raccoon abatement on our oak trees. The floor below nozzle goes okay. in the oak tree, put a half-inch tip on that. The raccoons come out of it, but we right have on. a lot of people lighting trees on fire. That's kind of a joke. But uh, we're putting a Bresden distributor on the floor below nozzle that takes all the nozzle reaction away, and we're sliding it up on a residential house fire, and it goes in the melted roof vent, or we cut a hole in it. We just put a giant sprinkler head in the attic because it has a 60-degree bend on it, and we can get off the roof 
and we can go fight some fire and we can put a sprinkler head up there. So we're using high rise tactics on residential house fires. We're, we're, we're deleting the name of nozzles and coming up with a basic term. Um, like you call us a, a resin distributor, a rotary distributor, a seller nozzle. That's right. all you can use it for is sellers. Right. Call it a rotary distributor. That opens Pandora's box. Man, we got tactics coming down down the pipe now, right? I love and you and on and I'm calling it the horizontal, but you're saying the opposite stream nozzle, opposing uh, tip nozzle, opposing yeah. tip nozzle. You can shut down, spin it off, spin it on, and then kick it back on. You just game day. Oh yeah. wow, okay. You're doing it right there. You don't right have to there. go back That's and it. shut it down. Right. No, I love it. Get a shot off on that thing and keep it on there. Keep the two and a half. It doesn't come with the two and a half inch shut off. Shut off. Leave it on there. Click, 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 and you're you're flowing water. You're shutting down. You can you can put the opposing tip nozzle on it. You can be flowing. You want to switch tactics to the uh, resin distributor? It's done right there. We don't have to shut our water supply down. Love, Love it. it, Clark. Clark has another one for you. Oh boy, It'll Clark be good. is the first two out the gate. So, uh, how quickly can your company get firefighters to the roof, and how do you accomplish that? And I don't know if you need more if you need more details than that, but go ahead. No, not at all. So it's it's well known we have a fire department helicopter and we have a rappel team. So we'll just fly our helicopter and, and we'll jet it down. We also have squirrel suits. So we'll actually go from the CN Tower with our squirrel suits and we'll hover in. You know, you see them on, uh, you know, in the thing and we'll and we'll uh, we attack our, our that's how we get to the roof fast in Canada. All right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, I was like, man. Uh, you're making this. I was actually, I was buying in for a second. Were you buying it? For a little bit. Clark, Clark, buy. You got to go out and get a squirrel suit. Okay. Um, so here's what we're doing. Um, you got to know your elevators and you got to know your elevator banks because on the new high rise buildings, they have elevators that actually won't ground when the fire alarm goes off. And you can take that right to the uh, uh, roof. Know your buildings, have a battle attack plan. Because I can go to uh, uh, whatever floor, I can go through the fire floor because the elevators are designed for it in those particular buildings. But we go two floors below, and now we start taking the stairs. We just talked about disrobing. That's what we have to do. Uh, our webbing that's inside our standpipe kit, that webbing is 22 feet long. It's tied in a loop, which makes it 11. If you fold it over again... Uh, I can put a girth hitch on two SCBA bottles and I throw them over my shoulder. Depending on how physically fit you are, that same webbing, I can either carry four bottles or I can carry two bottles. So when we're going above the fire, you're going to need those extra air bottles. But we also, you just can't tell fires, hey, how fast can you get to the roof? you got to give them, uh, because if you're working above the fire. I know in, in London, they don't work above the fire. They just don't do it. Okay. But if you give your firefighters and you train them to know what area refuge is, and if it's wind-impacted fire, 50% of that building is now safe. The side that's being wind-impacted, 50% of those buildings are safe. So if you're working above the fire and things start getting bad, if you know the fire is on the north side of the building, open any door on the north side of the building and open the window and close the door, that same wind that's impacting the fire, it will be the same wind that's saving you. So that question's great because we're disrobing. We're, we're understanding our elevator banks. We're understanding area refuge. We're bringing the extra air bottles. Firefighting is more complex. There's a bigger picture with that we need to understand, and it comes with education and understand the science in these buildings. And that's how you work above the fire. That's how you get to the roof quick. And these newer buildings, if they got positive pressure, isolated stairwells, they're not going to have roof hatches. 
You're going to have to go up to that top floor. You're going to have to find uh, a, a, a man door, go to that mechanical room. There'll be two more doors before you get roof access. So there's a lot to think about. A lot to it, yeah. yeah it's got to pre-plan. It's all about knowing your district. Big time. Oh, wow. No, and I love it. And, and Greg Redmond said, funniest part was watching Corley's face as Brooksy was doing the flying squirrel. I was trying to figure out how many barrels, uh, how many bottles, how many bottles can you carry while you're doing the fly, flying squirrel? <laughs> you know, how many can you take? And I was like, man, these Canadians are, are freaking crazy. Like, they're, they're flying in. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, coming back, Mike Kennedy wants to know, can Captain Brooks discuss the versatility of bent tip nozzle beyond floor below? Okay, so there's a bent tip nozzle, which you'd screw on a normal a normal nozzle. We're going to call it the bent pipe, right? Okay. So bent tip is a tip that you put on a, a, a normal hand line, but the bent okay. pipe is the true floor below nozzle. And I'm telling you, you call it the floor below nozzle, that's all good for. I know in, I don't want to say the city, they call it a chicken stick. Stop giving negative names to things because people won't want to use it sure so we call it the bent pipe and we're putting a rotary distributor on it which takes all the nozzle action away i can slide that over a floor and drop it in a floor space put a giant 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 sprinkler head on the floor i told you we can turn it upside down we use it for oak tree fires in 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 my part of the world and it just happens to clear raccoons at the same time um we've used it for a flanking attack but if you're going to use it for a flanking attack, remember, it has a hundred pounds of nozzle reaction. You have to know what you're doing. If you're using it as a traditional flow below nozzle, it wants to pendulum big time. You get three firefighters on it. You can bring that line back down. If you turn it, it's gone. It's going to take off on you. So we actually use that same webbing for door control, the same webbing for pulling up bottles. We'll tie the webbing off. We'll put a yoke around the floor below nozzle. Now we can do a 360 with it. No nausea reaction because it's in a swivel. It's in a swing. It is so much fun. Uh, we got. I'll be sharing those videos with you. But now the floor below nozzle nausea reaction is in the webbing. And you, here's the squirrel thing. This is a new new dance. But now I can use that floor below nozzle for maybe not its intended purposes for firefighting. Right. But I'm getting uh, 1,003 liters per minute. So I don't know what that is in uh, Jeep 2. Uh, let's say I got to do some quick math here. Um, 250 GPMs. Wow. On target. And on, you're on normally target. flowing 160 GPMs or 180 GPMs. We're we're flowing two, 250 on that on that nozzle. Big water. Love it. I absolutely love it. Uh Gerard Mann says, Brooksy, would you yes, still sir. would you still name it the high-rise unit, or would you change the name to reduce pigeonholing the appliance? My man, Gerald Mann, Australia. Uh, we spoke together in London, England, uh, Tall Building Conference, and we're going to do it again this year. I'm so excited. Gerald, you're 100% right. I would love to call it the high-rise unit. I'd like to keep that tradition going. But, man, the thing with tradition, it, it, it can hold us back. We're using that word incorrectly. Right. Tradition is about change, and changing the fire service is about making us faster, making us quicker, making us more efficient. So I want to see the name of the truck changed. Call it special tactics. Uh, call it SWAT, special uh, water and tactics. Call it something else, but don't call it high-rise. You call it high-rise unit, you just pigeonhole it. Because the high-rise unit needs to be going to residential house fires, needs to be going to factory fires. And then my job as a captain, if I go to residential house fire uh, on the high-rise, I'm doing a 360. I know what's on my truck. 
We're still doing the inside, outside, topside on your traditional firefighting. But when the high-rise truck gets there, we do a 360. It's balloon frame construction. We're using the opposing tip nozzle. It's got a crazy steep roof on unsafe for firefighters to get up there. We're deploying the floor below nozzle with a Bresnan, right? Oh, wow. Uh, uh, yeah. We're going to cut oh, a hole. Wow. We're going to take our standpipe kit to the roof, our standpipe kit to the roof on a residential house fire, because we can set our gate and gauge and put a Bresnan in the roof, giant sprinkler head, and we can control our own pressure. Thank you very much. Pump operator, send it. We're now the pump operator. We're now the nozzle firefighter. So we're taking a high-rise tactics into a residential house, uh, uh, residential house fires, into our industrial firefighting. So change the name of the truck from high-rise unit to special tactics or, or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I agree with your old man. Greg, Greg Redmond said special water application tactics, and Smoothbore Cartel said special water and tactics. So either Imagine one. what the police would think if we pulled up with a truck and said SWAT, SWAT on the side on the of side, it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, just, just, just that alone. It's just that it. alone, we should call it SWAT. There you go. Uh, J-, J Obs OBS. I don't know if that's the actual name or if that's a Facebook name, but J Obs wants to know, uh, are you seeing FARS in any of the buildings? What's your what's your thoughts on FARS? Oh, um, so far, yeah, I uh I understand it. I don't know enough about it. Okay. Um, but here's the thing, uh Regina. I was out to Regina. They've been doing this for a long time. I know I was talking to Bill Gustin. He goes, What if we took our own hose lines up the stairs? Uh, or sorry, our own airlines uh, up the stairs. That's what you're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The fire, um, uh, fires. Uh, I'm trying to firefighter air rescue supplement. Uh, yeah. Someone, someone in chat, tell me what FARS actually stands for, and I will continue. But go ahead. Mike Galliano's huge firefighter honor. air replenishment. Thank you. Okay. Brooksy has it covered. <laughs> um, so that's great. And if it works, it's going to be super cool because now we can work above the fire. Now we can, we can, we can, we can start doing sets and reps. It, it's a good thing. But then I found out in Regina, they have a trailer and they bring that trailer and they already have spules of um, high pressure lines. And they've, they've been deploying them up the outside of buildings like a improvised standpipe because they don't weigh anything. And they've been, they've been kind of doing this uh, process. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I think we need to uh, investigate FARS. We need to see what Regina has been doing. Okay. Try to combine the two, and let's come up with a solution. Remember, it's not just about us as firefighters. It's us about us getting to the occupants to act, make that rescue, extinguish the fire. If, if you have something that's best known, we got We got to try it. We got to test it out. We got to fact check it, and then right. we got to implement it. Are you, uh, man? There's so many questions. I hope you don't mind. Uh, we, oh, we, we've gotten to one planned topic so far, <laughs> so I, it's been great. Um, Chuck Chuck Hennis says any small unit. He says in parentheses small department tactics you can suggest. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Your first in truck. If you're a truck or engine company in your in your small department, you got to drop that. You got to drop the truck and engine company thing for high rise firefighting. If the high rise unit in my world is first on scene, guess what? I lose my truck designation. We have a 230 foot tower in our city. We have a 135 foot tower. Those are specialty apparatus. We have squads. If they arrive first, guess what? You lose your vehicle designation. I need three lengths. I need you to bring up three lengths, a set of irons, and a standpipe kit. That second in truck, same thing. Vehicle, apparatus, doesn't matter. It could be the heavy hazmat. I need three lengths of hose. I need a set of irons. I need a standpipe kit. Both crews, first and second, are now identical type equipment. We do that because that first in truck bought three lengths. That's 15 stories of improvised standpipe. 
The second truck brings another 15. I got 30 stories worth of improvised standpipe. I have two nozzles, so if I stretch short, I have the ability to add to the front. If the elevators fail, which they do, generally in that, that, that 10 to 20 minute, remember we're at 18, if they fail, guess what? I got 30 stories of improvised standpipe. We didn't bring a rope bag. Well, we're using lightweight hose where I'm from, but we're going to drop 30 stories worth of two and a half inch hose line. It's lightweight. I can pull up all the hose I want. So our third in truck, if you're a small department, our captain's taken lobby. It's probably an aerial. So that aerial is going to stay outside for the scrub zone. Prepare for rescue, prepare for improvised standpipe and prepare for exterior attack with a smoothbore nozzle. Find out the reach of your streams for exterior attack. Mm-hmm. Um, then we down, we're left with two firefighters off that truck because the captain's taking lobby, the driver's on an aerial. The next two firefighters, you need to bring the first aid kit equipment up. You're going to staging. You're going to one floor below. You're preparing for those first two vehicles to bring a victim out and work on them right there one floor below. If a firefighter goes down, you're the initial IRIT. In our world, an IRIT is two. A RIT team is four. So you're IRIT. Now, if you're going up there, there's nothing going on. We have two firefighters that brought up the medical equipment. It's called the MISS acronym. They're doing medical. They're doing IRIT. They're doing smoke control. And they're assisting with the stretch from the floor below. Good Lord. I hope everybody's taking notes. Three, six, seven, eight firefighters we got up top. And that's it. If you have a big department and you start staffing all these these firefighters, you're going to oversaturate the fire floor, which is going to spread smoke which could lead to maydays and confusion. And we know how that works. Right. And one of those firefighters will be aggressive and they'll overwork. And it'll slow the whole process down. We know that from sets and reps. Wow. So there you go. There's your three trucks responding uh, to a high rise fire. That a small department that, that doesn't have the staffing. You got 30 stories. You got 264 gallons per minute off one line. Your second line can do the same thing. There you and go. You I add- hope I hope everyone was taking notes. If not, when it's when it's recorded and when it's released, run it back and take notes because that was killer. That was absolutely killer for the majority of the North American Fire Service right there. Like 100%. Mid-rise application, high-rise application, killer. Absolutely killer. Um, Smoothbore Cartel has a question coming at you. Can you see the moon and the sun at the same time in New Brunswick? Nope. Nope. So... You can look out the window now. It's dark here 24 hours a day. And we had this conversation in Pensacola that there's no moon and there's no sun in Canada where, where we're from. It, it just, that's just the way it is. That's why I'm so pale, right? <laughs> it's just, I don't get any sun. I go down to Pensacola Beach and I get up. That's why Clark Glamping said something about I like to strip, strip, strip my clothes off. I need the vitamin D from the sun when I get back. That's why I go to H-Rock. I mean, just, the, to, just the for the D. Good. I need to get my health back. I need to get that UV light. Okay. And, and I saw the moon. I saw the moon in Pensacola. We, we, uh, we, we left McGuire's or whatever the name of that thing is. I didn't know what it was. I had to ask these questions. What is that? What is that orb in the sky what there? What the heck is that in the sky? And then, oh, what's the moon? I'm like, okay, what's the moon? And they, they, anyways, we got it. We got it straightened out. They did right. a great job explaining it to me. Fair enough. <laughs> had to throw it out there. Uh, Matt you. Fleet says, have you had conversations with Ray uh, McCormick on a prototype for a hen nozzle for high-rise firefighting? Any talk Any talk on that yet? Absolutely. Uh, um, uh, Ray showed it to me. I thought it was brilliant. And what I like about this, and, and, and have you ever heard of the term that you're going to fire and you're thinking Metallica? 
and you get on the nozzle and you got to go from Metallica to Mozart. Okay. Right. So you're thinking I'm just nice, easy movements. Well, I've been trying to teach that, you know, with the, with the, with the water mapping and the UL studies and the surface cooling, man, you're gone from Metallica to Mozart and you just play that. I'm doing a lot of hand gestures. I'm not Italian, by the way. All day, all day hand gestures from the I'm squirrel just suit. Pull all that day. line nice and easy. I'm going to keep, you know, cook that ceiling. I'm going to wet the floor. I'm going to wet some walls. The hand, I can stay it fixed. I can rotate it and I got the walls. I can rotate it and wash the floor. So that is a nozzle that you're going to have to unlearn some things to be able to use it professionally. But I don't care what I have to relearn. As long as I do sets and reps at it, dude, put those 100 hours in. You can change yourself. You can reset. So, hey, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is how much air is that going to entrain? Right. Right. The UL study, if you have a fog nozzle uh, or if you have a, a smooth bore and you're knee walking it and you half bail it, to, to uh, reduce that nozzle reaction, uh, it's overpressurizing. It's it's it could cook people, right? right? It's not creating steam. It's still contracting, but we want to make sure that's not doing that. If it's not doing that, it could be really the next best thing in in um, firefighting. And the other thing is about we don't want to use a fog nozzle because it's gonna uh, it's gonna collect debris. Looking what Ray showed me, it looks like a smooth bore. It's square. Um, so I think it's going to pass standpipe debris. So as a researcher, which I like to call myself now, put it in my hands. Let me go out and test it and let, and let me give you your honest opinion. So now, right now, it's got a giant question mark on it. Right. No, I think there's a lot of it uh, surrounding it. Absolutely. A lot of potential, but a lot of question mark. So absolutely. I love that answer. Uh, Kevin Cowan says, any strategy for venting the bulkhead or lack thereof? Is that enough detail? So no, so bulkhead. Are we talking like residential, commercial, or Kevin talking? Cowan? Fill us in with uh, fill in the details on the question, and I'll because, and I'll re I'll re ask it because I don't understand the question either. So yeah, I wasn't sure because it, because if the bulkhead is 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 if you start using PPI or or, or PPV, um, like you need an exit, uh, or you're going to just recirculate um, that smoke. Right, um, and you're just going to be chasing smoke all day. So yeah, the bulkhead thing uh, might need some more clarification. I'll see if he clarifies. Uh, Kevin, if you clarify, we'll readdress the question. Gerard Mann coming at you again. Brooksy, do you think that current structural firefighter training accounts for tall and complex building tactics, or do we need to expand our fire behavior knowledge? We do. Um, absolutely. Like, uh, I know Gerald Mann. Uh, he's from Australia. Great friend. Uh, we Zoom almost every Sunday. because nice. uh, We were actually wrote seven tactical bricks for NFPA 1700. Um, and, we, and we just submitted them. We we hope they get accepted. It's all in these fun nozzles stuff that we've been talking about. Um, I forgot the question. I got too excited. Hold on one second. <laughs> Tall, complex building tactics. Do we need oh. to expand our fire behavior? Big time. Uh, we absolutely do. Because if you if you become good at high-rise firefighting, all the other stuff's going to fall into place. Because we're always using two and a half. We're always using smooth bore. We're always taking nozzle reaction to ground. We're always doing high heat, low drag. We're, we have the ability to add to the front. So if you have a factory fire, so let's say you have a big, let's, uh, let's pick Home Depot. Okay. You go to Home Depot, you get off the truck. Remember I said the first crew three brings three length standpipe kit and a set of irons? It's un, maybe it's not standpipe equipped. Get off the truck with that. Your second in truck comes to the Home Depot, exact same thing. Three lengths of hose, standpipe kit, a set of irons. So I have a reverse lay. 
of 300 feet of two and a half inch hose. I'm going down range of 264 gallons per minute. And if I get to the back of that warehouse, they said it's in zone eight. Where the heck is zone eight? We go for a walk. We find zone eight at the back. We call the truck to come around to the Charlie side. Firefighters don't like to wait. Our eyes and ears are on the fire. We have a standpipe kit that we're not going to use on a standpipe building, but we're going to flake out our 300 first reverse lay to an exit door. And we're going to put our gate and gauge right there. The truck's going to come around to Charlie's side. They're going to put their cotton jacketed hose off and they're going to hook up to our gate and gauge. And that pump operator is going to say, how many lengths did you take off my truck? How many lengths did the first truck in use? What's their elevation and what's their nozzle? And you're going to radio back. Who cares? Send it. Send it all. You're my hydrant. I got my gate engaged. I'm the end user. Let's start flowing. When Gerald Mann was talking about pigeonholing, stop calling it a standpipe kit. Call it a gate engage bag. Boom. Pandora's box opens up. I'm using it for my home depots, my lows, my factories, you name it. Forest firefighting, the long lays. You know, I'm getting 22 lengths on a two and a half. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Big water. Oh, yeah. I like that. Wide rise. They said horizontal high rise. They said horizontal high rise. And then Flashover Media Group said wide rise. And John McCoy said, who cares? Send it. I love it, man. That's a t-shirt right there. (laughs) I like it. From Brooksy. Who cares? Send it. Uh, uh, On the bulkhead. They said on bulkhead, they said roof hatch. Is that what they were saying? Sorry. Bulkhead is the roof door. Oh, okay. 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 Does that make more sense? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Don't open it. Get up there, cut the lock, do not open it. That building is meant to have fires in it. It's meant to have fires. It's meant to have smoke. You open that, you change the building's envelope, something's going to change. When you go in the lobby, and I know a lot of firefighters do this, they put that two-inch spring clamp on the hinge side to keep the door open in the fully 90 position. On a high-rise, that's a big mistake. You're not going to see the reaction down there. You're going to feel it for the first three feet through the door. You're going to feel that draft, and you're not going to feel it anymore. But if you back up to where you felt that draft, that draft is happening again somewhere else through the building. Gotcha. You open that roof hatch, that stack effect is going to start working. Working, It's going to work against you or for you. But if you keep that roof hatch closed, that buoyancy should remain consistent throughout the building. Get up there and cut it and prepare to open it, but don't open it until you're told when to do it. The, the bulkhead door, man, get it ready. And if you go to cut the bulkhead door, what do you need? You need a aerial belt. You need a cordless grinder because our roof hatches or what you're calling bulkheads. You get the 24 inch bolt cutters in there. You're not strong enough to cut those locks. They're for suicide prevention. If you get the 30 inch bolt cutters, it's not going to fit in that roof in that, in that attic hatch. You got to bring a cordless grinder. You got to be on air. And because it's a ladder not on like a, like a normal ladder. It's a straight up ladder. All that weight is coming down on you. You need the aerial belt to click into that, to have two free hands to get that lock cut and be prepared. When you open that roof hatch, smoke and heat moves fast and it wants to go up. You're going to uncook that. You're going to be on air and you're going to get out and you're going to wait two minutes because in two minutes you're, you know, that we were talking about timing you're going to see a change if that smoke starts coming up the stairwell. So be prepared. Cut it and get out on the on the roof. Wow. Okay. Stuff you don't even think about, but, you know, unless you've thought about it, unless you've been there. Uh, Josh Everett wants to know, what do you carry in your standpipe kit? 
Uh, you can go on my website, highrisefirefighting.com. It's all on there. We keep it simple. No extra nozzle. You can do hydraulic ventilation with the smoothbore. I have the water can built into the smoothbore. I have an uh, 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 overhaul built into the smoothbore. The bail position dictates how much water you send down range. If I want to take a drink out of it, then just do a little, little tap it open a little bit. Don't drink standpipe debris water. It'll give you stage four diarrhea for sure. But that's just, just a concept. Um, so we don't carry extra nozzles. The first two crews that came up with identical equipment, I have two. Uh, we have uh, webbing. We have two increasers that go from inch and a half to uh, two and a half. So if I have a class two system, I can hook up to it. And when I, if I come short, I can add to it. Or if I, I switch tactics without having to shut the standpipe system down, I can do it at the front. So have a look at my website. We have 32-inch twist ties, but our standpipe kit only weighs 22 pounds. We don't carry a wire brush in it. Most fire departments do. That's for exterior. Those are for those female threads that are dirty. Interior threads, uh, nothing I can't clean with a glove firefighter's hand. We don't have salt water in our standpipe systems. So keep your kit light. Do yourself a favor because if those elevators fail, you don't want to drop your kit because it's too heavy. you got to get it up there. High speed, low drag? High speed, yes, exactly. Okay, Okay, just checking. Uh, Clark Lamping, Yeah, or the fast wrench. Yeah. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, there you go. Are you ready for the fourth uh, question from Clark? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always. What is the safest high-rise city you have ever been to and why? Singapore. I've never seen anything, anything like it. I've never seen anything. I have gone all around the world, and I see problems with all these. The caps are missing. There's stuff in it. I mean, you name it. I go to Singapore, and their occupant hose is two and a half inches. So I ask the guy, why is your occupant hose two and a half inches? He's like, dude, don't you know anything about hydraulics? I'm like, oh, my God, I love you right now. (laughs) I never saw a missing cap. Uh, So in Toronto, we have a 230-foot tower. In Singapore, they have two 340-foot towers. They have, on every single high-rise, the truck placement where the outriggers go for their apparatus. They have 10,000 high-rise buildings every single month they do a scenario in all 10,000 high-rise buildings every month. I'm like, how long does that take? He goes, it takes 15 minutes. I go, how is that? He goes, I pull up. I know where my truck placement is. I know where my things go. I just did it last month. We go in, we do lobby, we do lobby control. They have, they have um, like an arc radio system on their FTC connection that can talk to the control room, which can talk to the firefighters in the stairwell, which can talk to the truck. It, it is unbelievable how advanced they are. It, it, they, you know, they took our information and they just made it that much better. Now they don't run as many fires as us because they're, they're, they're so good at preventing fires, but when they do, they have so many sets and reps in, in these buildings, they know them so well, they're going to be successful. So Singapore, man, they got it going on. Dude, I would not have guessed that. So that's amazing that you say that. That's awesome. And they got some uh, of the tallest buildings in the world. No, without a doubt, that's what that's what's crazy. And you say they do ten thousand drills a month. You know, it's just insane to me. Well, yeah. So, so the one hall I went to, I think they had sixty-one that they had to do. So they go, yeah, we're out um, basically from after truck check until lunchtime, and we're doing the scenarios. Bang, 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 bang. Uh, they work a twenty-four hour shift at six o'clock in the morning. They do their hazmat drills every single shift at six o'clock in the morning from six until shift change. They're doing the hazmat drill. They got to put on three suits decon and then pack them up 
it, it is it is another world. And every single fire hall station they have is a training center. You can flow water in in their training center. They have stamp pipes. They have the elevator control system. They push training and they push it hard. Wow. No, that's a totally different culture. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I can only see the 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 griping, complaining, and bitching uh, that would be faced, and and that's awesome. Uh, not the bitching part, the other part, the, the opposite. Uh, Adam <laughs> Adam Camacho wants to know: Are there any shift drills that you recommend for mid rise applications and first three apparatus response? Which you already touched on a little bit, but specifically, shift I'm going to add to that. Go, yeah, why not? It. Right, we got time. Oh, uh, here's the thing. If you're a captain, I don't care how busy your truck is. We're on the high rise and my crew can vouch for this. The first alarm call of the day, make it law. We're going to stretch a dry stretch. You invite us to the building. We got all our gear that we normally do for firefighting. We haven't been to that building before that false alarm, or that pot on the stove dictates the location. We can reset. We don't need to do anything fancy, but once that building's ready and back in service and we're already up there, we're going to dry stretch all day long. So that is my expectation as a captain. The first alarm call of the day, we dry stretch. You give that expectation to your crew, and they're going to pull it off on game day. We just did a training scenario in a building that we're not familiar with, and it is it is so much fun. It is love so it. much fun. I love that, bro. Absolutely. Yes. No. And if I, you're hungover and you're the captain, you're having a bad day, don't you ever come to work and say, you know what? We're not going to do that today. You just failed, man. You just gave your your crew an excuse not to train the next time that they're not feeling good. It's your expectation. I don't care what you're going through. You got to do that. You got to follow suit with what you promised. And that's the first alarm call for dry stretching. Hold on. I got to timestamp that. Dude, I don't even know. There's so many. Uh, Adam, I uh, got Adams. Kevin Cowan coming at you. Hold on. Let me catch up. Kyle, Kyle is killing it, everybody. Everybody give a shout-out to Smoothboard Cartel. Kyle Romagus, he is the unsung hero of your questions, each and every scrap, as he pulls them out. So everybody give him a shout-out because he's pulling them out and throwing them here. Me and Brooks had a I, – I wish I could show you my list. I have three pages of notes and planned questions. And as always, the audience is the unsung hero uh, throwing the questions. Kevin Cowan coming at you. When do you vent the bulkhead in a high-rise? My concern is flow paths and occupants and stairwells. Please include your answer uh, information about attack, evacuation, and ventilation stairwells. So we kind of touched on it, but is there anything you want to add? Yeah, we're not going. We're going to we're going to cut the lock. We're not going to open it. We're going to keep the building envelope the same. We're going to keep the lobby doors. We're not going to prop those lobby doors open. Put your two inch spring clamp on the lock side to allow that door to close but not lock and latch. If it's a revolving door, don't open them up. You're going to create that flow path. Keep the building as is. Do positive pressure isolation on the attack stairwell. Do positive pressure isolation on the uh, evacuation stairwell. So when you open those doors, you're going to have very little movement. Post fire, you got to be patient. You got. We can put the fire out in six seconds with the 264 gallons per minute, but you got to be patient for smoke removal. Leave it. Let it stay there. The hallway's been searched. It's all clear. If you're on the fire floor and you're an occupant and those doors are closed, you're going to be, you have time. So just slow it down for ventilation. Allow that smoke to clear. Don't be chasing it through the building. And when you are ready to clear it and you, let's say you do have to use the bulkhead or we, we call an attic or a hatch, then you shut one fan down. You open your door. You systematically clear it. So be patient. 
and uh, I call it the pause, and it, it'll 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 change you. I love it. Okay, uh, how do you deal? This comes from Zantos with four Z's. How do you deal with the stairwell charging with smoke when connecting from the floor below? My department prefers to hook up on the fire floor for this reason. So when they hook up on the fire floor, so there you got your class one, class two, class three. I know in the states you have predominantly class one. In Canada, we have class three. So in Canada, we can hook up um, on the fire floor if it's the class three system. But if you look at it, again, we're evolving. So that door control strap, if we go up and we have a crystal clear hallway, uh, we don't prop that we don't prop that door open in the 90 degree position. We put what's called a door control strap. We put the door control strap on, we secure the door, we open it up this much, pot on the stove. Don't need your hose and nozzle packages. Go in and deal with the pot on the stove. We open it up, it's a garbage can fire. Oh shit, we didn't bring the water can. The water can weighs 25 pounds, our hose weighs 20. Guess what? Now we're going to take a nozzle to the fire. We're going to put a little bit of water can water on it. Or we're going to open that door. It's a wind-impacted fire. It is juicy. We're going to close that door, and we're going to take a door on the same side as the fire unit, both doors. So if shit goes bad, our area refuge is the first door we come to on the same side of the fire. Gotcha. And the other door on the opposite side, that creates a flow path that's dangerous to us. So we've added layers of safety. A strobe light. Now, we don't do this, but I know who does. Moncton, they're hiding just off camera here. Moncton puts a strobe light on the door um, going to the uh, uh, floor below. So that strobe light's going off. If shit hits the fan and you miss your area refuge, you lose your door control strap, you've got your strobe light to go to, and you can get out. So you got to know your buildings. you got to train for this. But we, hook, we do a hallway stretch, it's called, if the hallway door is clear and you took those safety precautions. Right. And when we open that door, we're not opening it up in the full – the open position we're going to fill the full potential of the line with the door cracked open this much we're, we're controlling the amount of smoke heat and fire that's coming out into the hallway we're going to flow the full potential i have a hundred foot reach of stream most of these units aren't a hundred foot right units right. i take the largest bulk of that fire out because most high-rise units is it's the, it's it's the greatest square footage i'm taking it out from the hallway once conditions change i can go in five feet I'm going to go in five feet. I'm going to flow the full potential, just like Mozart. And this fire is done. If it's got a master bedroom that's quite large, I got a hundred foot reach of stream. I don't need to take the nozzle to the fire. I need to take the reach of stream. It's a hundred foot reach of stream. And in most cases, it only requires you to go inside that unit uh, five feet. And that my ceiling's a target. And I'm just, he got me excited with that question. No doubt about it, brother. I love it, man. Uh, Cody Clem, I bet, I hope you don't mind. There's tons of questions still to go. So, oh man, I love this stuff. You tell me, brother. I, I, it shows, man. I love it when I talk to someone who is passionate about what they do. Uh, knocking futs. Watch the show. You'll get the answer on the hen. Uh, okay. Cody Clem, any experience or tactic recommendations for subterranean multi-story buildings? For example, we have a four-story below-grade self-storage in my first due. Nice. Lucky. I love a challenge. Uh, super cool. Um, you got to remember that when you run those underground uh, garage parking fires, you still got to do that same process. You're going in the lobby, you're checking the CACF room, you're finding out where it initiated from, you're scrolling through the panel. But you got to find a stairwell that's crystal clear. You cannot take the elevators. You're going to find that stairwell that leads to that um, uh, uh, underground parking. 
know your buildings because you could have a exterior stairwell that leads to that underground parking as well. But if I go in and look, I got uh, the storage unit at uh, P4. Can I stretch from the truck or can or do I have to use a standpipe system? Right. So th- there's a lot of variables when you're working below grade. When you do get below grade, again, our approach to high-rise firefighting with the two crews with six lengths of hose, I have a 300-foot stretch. If I go 300 feet and I haven't located the fire, you're at the wrong stairwell. Right. So you're, you're going to have to come back. But you need an area refuge, and you need to know the science behind smoke movement. So you're gone 300 feet. I know what blue card says you can't go more than 200 feet, but there's variables. Some things, sometimes it needs updated. But we're going in with a lifeline of 300 feet. That's two and a half inch with the potential of 264 gallons per minute. So I got 300 feet of hose. And I got another hundred feet of reach a stream. You you got to bring big water for those underground parking fires because you're going to have one chance. Because when you start pushing, you're going to start spreading smoke through the building. Love it, man. Go big or go home. Uh, And this is one of my favorites. Smoothbore Cartel said, if I was on a firefighter game show, I would want Brooks as my partner. That may be a future five questions for firefighters. Honestly, someone, uh, someone please, uh, Mark that down and send it to me so I don't lose it. Uh, I absolutely love that for a five questions for firefighters future iteration. <laughs> I was scared. I thought Kyle Romagus was going to bring up the sprinkler head thing. but He probably I will. He we'll did. see. We'll see. I guess if, if I had a helmet cam and you could see Kyle's face when I'm over in my own area and I'm pumping the FTC connection and it's cold in Canada and he wanted to stay dry and we're on day one and he's got the sprinkler head hitting him on day one. And it's cold. And the, the look on his face, man. There, Kyle, I got you before you got me. <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> uh, no, we're doing good. Stuart Walsh, do you or other high-rise fire professionals have any concerns about new mass timber high-rises? And do you have any different strategies or tactics for those buildings? So the Council of Tell Buildings, they just had a thing last year in uh, the city of Chicago. Um, they had all these experts. They, man, they were talking about floor vibrations. They're talking about all this cool stuff. The floors are seven ply. The walls are three plies. Sixty uh, percent of the woods allowed to be exposed. I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. But I know in our department, in our deployment, I got two hundred sixty-four gallons per minute going down range. I have the reach of stream. We forgot about the inch and three-quarter hose line. We forgot about the uh, small water. We're going in big. So I'm not scared and of of timber frame construction. I think it's fantastic. However, what they're showing in the studies is long term. If you have like a, a you know core construction, let's say, and you have all your bathrooms that are stocked on top of each other, and you start getting water leaks, right? Things start weakening. Your fire retardant stuff starts weakening. So we're thinking fire, but you got to be thinking water damage and what it's doing to that wood, um, lo- uh, longevity wise. So. Right now, everything looks good with timber frame construction. Don't tell me, oh, because it's sprinkled. They're all sprinklered. But us as firefighters, we're preparing for those sprinkler systems to fail. We're preparing for the standpipe system to fail. I'm always bringing 30 stories with an improvised standpipe off two crews every time, 264 gallons per minute every time. We're eliminating all these different variables. So timber frame construction, it doesn't scare me. Love it. No, I, I love that answer, man. Thank you. Uh, cause it addresses not only where you're at, but where we could be. And so I love it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm often cautious about asking questions that seem like inside jokes, but I'm still going to ask this one. Okay. So okay. Lyndon, Lyndon cousin says, oh, Hey, Brent, 
Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Hey, Brent, we got a question for you, but really it's for Mo, who we know is beside you. What is the optimal flow rate for a train of firefighters on a water slide? Um, That's 264 GPM all day long. All day long. Two and a half. 264. Send it. 65 millimeters. Send it. Send it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Nice job, Lyndon. Yeah, Calgary Fire. So Calgary Fire, I don't know if you know where that is. It's in the province of Alberta. Uh, we've had the Olympics is there, the Winter Games there. Um, but Calgary Fire are, and I, I'm not agreeing with this, they love calf systems out there. Okay. It, 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 it is crazy. All their trucks are calves. Uh, I think they got to do some soul searching. Okay. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know uh, Linda's smiling right now. <laughs> Fair enough. He didn't want to come on camera. There, there's, there's an inside joke. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> if you had one compartment within a city or a small city fire truck that didn't have any specialty apparatus, what would you fill it with for high-rise or standpipe building firefighting? So Everything's a hose, a set of irons, and a standpipe kit. So it's very, very, very uh, consistent. 15 stories go. worth of improvised standpipe. There you go. Vince T says, when utilizing the Bresnan distributor from the floor above, are you committing both first in engines or a combined attack down the hallway with one crew above and one on the attack floor? Okay, just let me correct that tactic for a second. So okay. when we deploy the Bresden distributor, we don't go to the floor above. The problem with going on the floor above, and you got curtains, you got furnishing, you got that auto exposure potential, you got to start at two floors above. So go two floors above, remove the curtains. You're going to put that Bresden distributor out the window five feet, and you're going to get it spinning. And you're going to lower that on the target. If you go two floors above and you see flames going, do not open the windows. You can remove the curtains and bring the furnishings back. But remember, one length of hose is five stories. So you can go five stories above and still lower that Bresden distributor on the target. Start with two stories. See what you got at uh, two floors above, sorry. And then you can go to five stories if you have to. When we deployed the Bresden for exterior cladding fire in our city, we ended up going to the roof because we knew in 12 minutes it was probably going to be to the roof. It was damn close to the roof. But we ended up blowing that Bresden distributor, and it's 500 GPMs, five stories, and and, and uh, destroyed our target. Uh, the Bresden distributor, guess what? It works with the exact same hose and nozzle package, two and a half inch, set of irons, a standpipe kit, and I'm simply replacing what's on the tip. And in my, in my nozzle bail shutoff, uh, I'm just adding my increaser, to change it from uh, take the tip inch and a half tip the two and a half inch uh, uh, threads, and now I'm going to add a length of hose. I'm going to deploy my Bresden distributor. It's not going to suck you out the building. You got more water weight behind you. There's no nozzle reaction on it. You can leave it unstaffed if you wanted to and go do something else. It's a fantastic tactic. Oh, and use the opposite riser. You want to save the first riser for your attack and backup line. Specialty nozzles get used off the other riser. Because if you're using the floor below, there should be, you know, no smoke. You're on the same side as the fire. That's wind and packet. That's why you're using the floor below nozzle. The same thing with the Bresden. 50% of that building's safe. So when you open the window to deploy the Bresden, it's wind impacted. It's safe. So drop the Bresden. If it's wind impacted, we have a, we have a special cage for ours. Uh, I can go to the window beside it, drop a rope, and they can actually pull the Bresden distributor across the front surface of that building and they can pendulum it. Look at me with my movements. They, yeah, I can pendulum it 
the Breslin distributor, Mozart style, nice and slow, back and forth, make it happen. Great question. Love and it, I got man. videos to show you. I, love it. I took him today. Fredericton Fireman dialed in. Dude, I love. I can't wait to see all the videos you have. I really, I'm, I'm really excited see the about it. on these things. It's I'm great. really excited about it because, uh, yeah, because we did the, the ability to take them hasn't been around, man. It, that's that's awesome. Uh, Kevin Cowan says, "What pressure do you pump the exterior FDC? For example, fire on the 28th floor of a 40-story residential. My department pumps it at a flat 175 psi for everything. Question mark? Question mark? So we're 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 200 psi. Okay." Uh, or we pump to the building system design pressure or the churn pressure. Uh, don't pump to the fire floor. It's not going to work for you. Pump to the roof, to the two rows, um, uh, uh, remote outlets. But get in your buildings, do a battle attack plan, find out what that churn pressure is, find out what the building design pressure is, and get that number on the FTC connection. So we're doing 200 PSI if called for. Um, and then our sprinkler size, 1,050 kPa. What's that in um, PSI? 150. So the sprinkler gets 150, and the stamp pipe system gets 200. If we're asked to boost it, we will. But the sprinkler, 150. Love it, man. I absolutely love it. Brother, here's the deal. I got to my I – have, I have 20 – no, 31 different topics to talk about today with you that I, that I made notes on that me and you talked about kind of before the scrap started and I made it to number two. Oh, whoa. out of everything we were going to talk about. And don't get me wrong. We touched on a lot of it because you answered a lot of the audience's questions, which touched on some of the topics, but straight up, I want, I want to already get you committed to coming back and doing this again at some point in the future. Are you good with uh, that? Well, I don't have to, I don't have to be uh, back to that building till uh, seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can get two more questions done. Okay. Okay. I want to go with, well, one thing I wanted to talk about was KTCs, the kitchen table conversations. Oh, I absolutely love this, man. Cause there, and, and again, that's like, there's like a lot of those already, but like 2.5, that's just too heavy. What What's too heavy? The 2.5, the 65 millimeter. That's just too heavy. That's one of those kitchen table conversations. The, oh, arguments, yeah. the arguments that people have with you, the two and a half yeah. too heavy. So uh, nozzle forward is a phenomenal thing. I mean, I love knee walking. I can do all that stuff, but not everyone on your department is 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 as dialed in as us. And when we first started rolling out the two and a half, now we went from inch and a half to two and a half. So you, I was the most hated guy uh, uh, on our department, um, <laughs> right? Because we right. have to unlearn something. And now I got to make you learn something. So, you know, these firefighters are all upset about the weight of it. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, you've never flown an inch and a half or inch and three quarter line of proper operating pressure. So we get them flowing it. And you know how whippy it is. And they're kneeling and they're standing and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're getting the job done. And then I take the two and a half. I put it in the corner, put it on a 45. I, Brian Brush showed me this. And I'm flowing it. And it's unstaffed at the full potential. So now, now they're curious. Now what's going on? Then I know Jimmy Davis does the same thing. He'll flow it. He'll lock his legs on it and he'll put his hands behind his head. Then I'll take four firefighters. I'll get them to stand and I'll push that nozzle. I move all four firefighters. I go, come on now. One Toronto firefighter can move whatever department I'm picking on. And I'm moving four firefighters just by pushing on that nozzle. I can put eight, 10, 12 firefighters. I'm pushing on the two and a half. Why would you pick something up that's heavy? 
So put the line on the ground and now push on that nozzle in the in the uh, shin pin. All that nozzle reaction is to go on the ground. Then, then I go as the backup firefighter and I pick the hose up and I stand up. The bigger you are, the heavier the hose is. When I have that bite and I'm holding it up, where it touches the ground, where it touches the ground, that's all water weight. Then I'll drop the line on my toe and I'm flicking it up like nothing because the water weight's on the ground. Stop picking up the two and a half inch hose. You don't need to. High heat, low drag that thing all day long. The backup fire, high heat, low drag. Grab a bite, drive the bite for it in your hip. You can have your hands up and you can walk that line out on your hip. You'll find that if you know those three simple tactics, these are 1950 tactics, by the way, when they had heavy hose, brass couplings, high pressure. Now we're using lighter couplings, low pressure. You can move that hose if you know how. It's three easy steps. I love the advanced tactics. I love the advanced movements. It's fantastic. I do them. But when it comes game day, man, and you got different people on your crew that aren't as dialed in, just go down to the basics. And uh, we had one fire at the Eaton Center. And it's a big, it's a big shopping complex in my city. And I'm doing my stuff that I normally do. And I got tired. I got real bagged where I'm going to be a problem for the rest of the crew. I reverted right back to the way I was trained with the high heat, low drag, the basic tactics where the two and a half doesn't weigh anything. And I'm driving that like nobody's business. And it's a good thing to remember those three basic, three basic movements. So learn those basic movements. Stop picking up the two and a half inch hose line. There's no need of it. And with us, if we can't move the two and a half, guess what? Where's my other crew with, uh, 15 stories there for my standpipe or 150 feet. We're just going to add to the front. We're only moving 50 feet of two and a half, really. And that's 120 pounds of water weight. If you high heat, low drag it, worst case scenario, that's 80 pounds of water weight. An adolescent weighs 80 pounds. You should be able to rescue an adolescent if you're a firefighter. Vince, you're, 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 if it's heavy and you can't move with two and a half, you're, you're simply doing it wrong. Love it, man. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Vince T wants to know, when is Brooks going to release a book on high rise firefighting? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to I'm gonna talk to uh, all my friends, all my cadres, and um, we know I downloaded time to 80, 84 fire departments. Now I want to collaborate them, and I'm gonna let them see it first, and I'm gonna get their feedback. And whoever gives me feedback on, it, I want to acknowledge them, and it's and it's coming, and the videos are coming. Uh, like I have all the Toronto stuff that we're not allowed to share because of logos and this donated building here uh, this week, Fredericton, I'm going to Fredericton fire all day long. They're allowing me to be able to share this information. So it's a game 2024. I think it's going to be a game changer where I can actually put this stuff out in video format and in written format and get it out to you. It's coming. Love it. Love it. I absolutely love hearing that. Um. I'm looking to see. I'm looking to see. I'm going to move to book or books that you think firefighters should be reading. I love this question. It's one of my favorite questions. But books that you think, it doesn't have to be a firefighter book. If it is, that's great. But books that you think firefighters should be reading. Have you ever heard of the nine L's? (laughs) (laughs) I love that that answer, but go ahead. So, no, it's funny because about the nine L's thing. So, I was at HROC. You were speaking. And I'm, I'm coming in. I'm in the zone. I got to get something for Dennis Gear. I'm coming in. You're talking talk about the nine L's. You're talking just like I am. And I see the nine, and I'm looking. I'm picking up this thing. I think Rob uh, Fisher was in the room, and you got me, man. You got me hooked in. 
And you weren't talking about firefighting. You're talking about how the space shuttle and how much energy it needs to take off. So your question about me writing the book, I'm writing a book because of your nine L's that told me that I had to launch this thing. And once you launch it, that's the hardest part. So thank you for getting me to launch. I'm launched now. There's no stopping it, right? I love it. The boosters are full. But back to your book story, if you read the Matt Stuckey, the Dave McGrail, anything that Bill Gustin puts out, Paul Grimwood, uh, Jack Tracy, uh, 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 Jack Murphy, new book on high rise. It's phenomenal. But I need you to start reading something that can motivate you. So that's non-firefighting stuff. Get motivated. Read those books on motivation. So what I do when I get home uh, after work, I have a one-hour sauna. And it's all about motivation. That's my one hour of motivation time. Read it. Get pumped. Get jacked up. Understand it. And you know what? That's improved my marriage. That improved my relationship with my kids. And I can deal with those problem people on my job now because they don't affect me. Right. So get your health in order physically and mentally. Read that stuff. Watch that material. And you're going to be a changed person. And you're going to change the culture in your fire department, too. Love, get something that motivates you. I love it, brother. And I want to read some of these comments because they're great. Brooksy's boosters have been full since birth. That's one of them. Uh, you're doing it wrong. That's uh, Greg Redmond saying, he's quoting Backdraft saying, Steve, you're doing it wrong from Steven. Um, Max A's, and then I love this one. Paper or papers you think firefighters should be reading. So that was the, the, the variation on the book or books. And that and that's your NIAS. That like that like that's your NIAS, your NIST, your NFPA mm. stuff. You know, read it. Your your standards. So I'm reading a book now. So if you go in in my post, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you're gonna see a book that I'm reading right now on Stack Effect. Woo, that's a tough read. Yeah, like, that's brutal. Read it. A brutal. A little brutal. It. Stack no. Effect. That'll and put you'll you read it real quick. Make you sleepy. That'll that'll take care of your insomnia. Done. But you're doing it so others don't have to, and you'll pass that knowledge on in the passion. And that's what I love about subject matter experts. I love nerds. I mean, and I hope you don't take that as a no, as a not at all. Because I love nerds, and when they love what they do, and they love talking about what they do. So 100. Um, percent Now, this is my favorite part of the show, and I've been looking forward to this one for this night. But we have the thing called the five questions for firefighters. It's been around since basically the beginning of the scrap. It's gone through some ev- evolutions because, you know, as they answer all the questions, it has to evolve. And we're currently at version 3.2. So um, it's basically five questions. There's no right answers. They're only your opinions. And so my question for you is it's, it's no right answers, only your opinions. And the points are arbitrary assigned by me with the help of the studio audience. So what I want to know is, Brooksy, are you ready for the next five the, the the next five questions for firefighters, version 3.2. Bring it. Let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Send it. What is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? Pause. <laughs> Master the art of pause. If you're a motivational speaker, you'll know what I mean by that. You need to pause because you pause, you're going to give a better answer. So when you go up to do your size up, don't start speaking out on the radio. It's a pause. You're not waiting. You're not delaying anything. You're going to pause. And if you remember to pause, you're going to take that extra look. You know what? There are signs on the alpha side. So remember to pause. Um, when you're on the fire ground, 
You start doing tasks. You're going to force a door. Pause. Where are the hinges? You know, what, what, what is the hardware? What is the locking system? Can I go through the wall? When you go to do something on the fire ground, pause. Pause while flowing the, no, the nozzle. Don't get all whippy and shut it down. Don't get into penciling. Don't get into water misting. Pause. Let it flow. Um, when you're at the kitchen table and there's some trash talking going down at the end and it's pissing you off, you got to pause because you're going to get reeled in, fished into that. Pause. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Um, and sometimes that pause will take the next shift or it'll take 24 hours. So a skill, and it takes restraint, and it's hard to do, especially when you're getting ticked off. you got to pause because it'll help you in life, and it'll help you on the fire ground. Brother, when you first said it, you said pause. And I was like, wait, is he telling me to pause, or is this the uh, skill? Pass. No, dude, killer answer. And I love the power of the pause. From, from strictly from a speaking standpoint, and then you tied it into everything else. Brother, that was a phenomenal answer. Max points, and everybody agrees already. Uh, Josh Ever said, wow, Max points, heck yes. These are veteran moves here, folks, coming from Kyle Romagus. Martin Reifix says, Max points. Uh, man, <laughs> I got to read you this one, sorry. Preston Lyons said, Max points, dot, dot, dot. I would have said it earlier, but I was pausing. Ah, so, boy. I love it, man. That was a great answer. Listening. Uh, I love it, man. A great answer. Okay, number two. I love this question. It's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You got to think of the scene in backdraft where he slaps that cassette tape into the tape deck. Yeah, you're, old enough, you're old enough to remember tape decks. Oh, yeah. What, what song are you playing in route? One song you get to pick. I'm, I'm thinking of something with a federal Q in it. Uh, I was thinking that slow and the money thing, but I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because that has a siren built into it. And you said I'm going to a fire. I got my own siren. So I'm okay. going to listen to Rob Zombie Dragula all day long. Dragula. <laughs> Absolutely. There is there is a Spotify Woo. playlist. If you message, the vigilantes have it and it's been spreading, but someone has taken all of the Spotify or all of the suggested songs and there, there is a Spotify playlist, but absolutely max points for Rob Zombies and Dragula. Uh, absolutely, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the siren going too. That siren and that Rob Zombie, they mesh, they mesh. You get the cue rocking. Yeah, uh, Scott Farrow said, "Proud to be Canadian right now." Ah, I love it. I want to go to fire <laughs> now, man. Stephen Hollybosch said, "Max, Max, Max." I love it, man. No, hell yeah. Okay, that's Smoothbore Cartel. What I keep saying, hell yeah, a. Eh? He threw the a. <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite fire service tradition? Man, that so you know, like you know, you're like like you're probably you know got that stuff going on your in 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 your city with tradition. And one of the biggest misused words in the fire service is the word uh, tradition. Um, people use the word tradition to try and prevent change. It's the wrong thing to do. Um, we, we can't forget our history, right? And, and we know the importance of tradition. However, when it comes to firefighting and training, our tradition should be change. It is change. It helps makes us faster. It helps makes us smarter. It helps makes us safer. It helps us serve the community better. We're doing it for them. We're not doing it for us. But I know you're looking for that traditional word. So brass day is my favorite day. I don't know if it's the smell of it. I don't know if you get the poles polished nicely. And if you make a mistake where you start and stop on the brass, you see that black line, that's got to go, man. 
You got to go. You got to get the brass. You got to get a polis. I love the smell. Brass day is my favorite day. For brass day, 100%. Hey, and I love the diatribe on our tradition is change because that really does encapsulate our existence. And I love that. I want to say that. Uh, Good. Love it. Uh, Tommy Rivers said, awesome. <laughs> Smoothbore Cartel said, light the room on fire, Brooks. Uh, All right. Done. It's not sprinkler. Yeah, it oh, shit. It is sprinkler. <laughs> Wednesday and Saturday, Brass Day. There you go. Brass Day. So far, three for three, max points, easy max points. On the uh, This next one is on the clock. We had to put it on the clock because people have a tendency to want to like give honorable mentions and, and explain everything, but this one is important. It's on the clock. The, you got uh, one minute to sell the four people you would put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service, your Mount Rushmore of the fire service, which is a, that's a monument down here in the Americas. Okay. Sorry. I'm just kidding. Uh, and, and, one, and they can't be four Canadian hockey players, right? I mean, that's up to you. Cause it's they, your Mount Rushmore. Firefighters. That's up to okay. you. But we'll see how the points go when you're okay. done. Cause that if I don't recognize any of your hockey players, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> but uh, is Mario Lemieux, is that a, is that a Canadian hockey player? Yes, he is. Okay. So um, Sidney Crosby. Judges say? No. Okay. No. One minute. One minute. Okay. Uh, Sam will set it up. Your Mount Rushmore, the fire service, and go. I'm going to stick to high-rise firefighting for this one. I'm going to use three Philadelphia firefighters. Uh, Dave Holcomb, uh, Phyllis McAllister, and Dave Chappelle. Those are my first three right there. Why are they my first three? Because they're the ones that changed the NFPA 14. They're the ones that we, 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 we know PRVs and PRDs. They're the ones we knew about an inch and a half. They stretched five-inch hose. They did exterior tack. They did incredible things that I've studied my high-rise firefighting career over, though those three firefighters are up there. The fourth one, I would make it blank. I would make it neutral, and I'd call it the unknown firefighter because there's 24 other firefighters that are hurt on that Philadelphia fire. We don't know their names. Uh, every single, uh, the Kyle Rama, I guess, is the Clark Lampion, the Clyde Gordons, the uh, Ike Isaacson. Uh, they have a green army. They have people behind them that are unknown. We don't know their names. So let's make that fourth one blank, unknown, male, female, doesn't matter, because they've contributed unknown names to, to my career, to your career, to everybody's career, and researched those three firefighters that died in Meridian Plaza. Well, that's Are we amazing. at 60 seconds yet? Or no, can I say you're not known? No, you did. Yeah, brother, okay. you just you just crushed the answer to that by saying one Meridian Plaza and uh, and and tying those three names and then putting everybody else online, dude. I don't think of a better answer. You get max points, and that's what it, uh, the crowd the crowd is apt. You got to go back and read uh, the the response to your answer because I can't even best answer of all scraps. Oh, best, cool! Best ever answer. Holy, holy shit! Holy crap! This goes on my Mount Rushmore of scraps. So that's the kind of response you're getting with your answer. So, yes, you absolutely crush the answer. Um, Very cool. Which takes us to my favorite question. Hard to follow that one up, <laughs> that answer up. But my favorite question, it's the question that's been around since the beginning, the question that's never changed. Heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? I'm going to have to say I want to be on the nozzle because I, I, I love VNS. I love being aggressive. But here's the thing about when you're on the nozzle. You have a 100-foot reach of stream. I can get to the occupant faster and give the occupant uh, relief faster by surface cooling and getting that water down range 
So technically, I've got to the occupant faster than you can. I just relieve them. That allow crews to go down down range. The truck company, the engine company, the VES company to save them. I'm going to relieve them, the occupant first, and now my now I can go out and get them safely. Yeah, man, I'm going to be on the nozzle all day long. I'm going to surface cool. That. I'm going to send water down range. I love Make it. it and I, I, I love, I love the answer. Hole. You just crushed the five questions for firefighters. Absolutely, I mean this unequivocally. Five for five, crushed it. And I want to say, Smoothboard Cartel said, you can't VES the 60th floor, Corley. <laughs> so he was referencing high-rise firefighting and that question. I never thought about it before in that regard. But absolutely, man. I you can't. We got, we got the squirrel suits, remember? I, I, I do remember. So there you go. The five questions for firefighter, according to Brooksy. And that officially puts 220 scraps in the books. My Woo-hoo. brother. If people want to get a hold of you, if people want more information, how can they go about getting it? They just call uh, the uh, uh, Canadian Fire Services number, which is 911, and they'll pass you through to Brent Brooks. Oh, no, the non-emergency, call 912. <laughs> or you can go on highrisefirefighting.com, and I have all my information on there for you. High Rise Firefighting is the place to find him. Um, absolutely. Everybody else, uh firehousevigilance.com vigilantes we're going to do the after party here shortly uh you get more of brooks i said that the vigilantes like to come in and roast them but be aware he's getting ready to roast everybody who shows up that's what he does (laughs) Um, go get a v50 book if you haven't already if you want to conquer yourself get a v50 book i'm trying to think of other things coming up uh i don't even have my my thing pulled up uh it's killer i'm so impressed with this scrap i can't believe that we haven't had it sooner Uh, I will post a link to the after party as soon as possible. Brent, thank you for, A, staying up late and enjoying the evening with us and sharing your knowledge with us, your subject matter expert, your quality of uh, everything that you've dedicated your life towards. I can't believe um, the – I'm going to have to go back and listen and take notes. Like, that's how good it is. I'm so, so uh, excited about it. Uh, Audience, thank you. Once again, for making another magical scrap, because I had all these plans, and of course, the audience comes along and completely blows our plans out of the water and makes it an amazing evening. So, thank you so much. Uh, I'll, th- I'll slap the uh, scrap into the into the uh, into the after party audience. You make the scrap magical, Brooksy, and there he is. Smoothbook Cartel said, "Best scrap of all time." That's high praise. That is high praise. That's not a that's not a soft compliment, brother. You absolutely crushed this thing, thank audience. You. You make the scrap magical. Brooksy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for tuning in live. Everybody, I love you all. Remember, mutts don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.